Good morning, everybody. At least it's morning when I'm recording this. Uh, whatever time of day it is when you are listening to this, good that. <laughs> um, welcome to the KPP, the Keep Pounding Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Johnston, Sean underscore LG19 on social media. And yeah, this is my brand new podcast where we're pretty much just going to be talking about the Panthers. I'm going to be trying to do, you know, two to three episodes a week. Uh, somewhere in that range, um, you know, might end up just being one or two a week, but, uh, I do want to try at least do two every week once, um, day before the game, once day after. So, uh, yeah, pretty much we're just going to be talking about the Panthers. I mean, that's pretty much 60% of my personality is talking about the Panthers. (laughs) So, um, yeah, this should be really fun and entertaining podcast. I'm super excited to make it and I really hope you guys enjoy it. So, Without further ado, let's kick off the first ever episode of the KPP, the Key Pounding Podcast. And um, pretty much going to be talking about the god-awful, atrocious Vikings game that us Panthers fans were forced to sit and watch the entire game of. Oh boy, was it ugly. Let's, let's break it down. So let's just start out with getting the obvious out of the way, right? Joey Sly needs to lose his job. That is that is consensus. That that man has got to go. I don't care if he has one of the strongest legs in the league. I don't care about how far he can kick a field goal because he can't kick far field goals. That's that's the bottom line. He can only kick them during warmups. And what's it what's it doing for us during warmups? Nothing. When it actually matters, when he needs to make field goals, he chokes. Okay. Now, me personally. I will admit, I defended Joey Sly from the beginning of the season. I was a huge advocate for him. I said, listen, he's kicking from 62, 67 yards away. That's that's a hard field goal. You know, of course he's going to miss that. But here's the key factor, right? Again, in the game against the Saints, I believe it was 62 yards, that game-winning field goal. He was off by a couple of inches, right? He had the power on, or he had the accuracy. He was off by just a couple of inches, right? Game against the Chiefs, the 67-yard field goal. Now, that field goal was obviously horribly off, right? No chance of going in. But the thing that people don't realize is the power was there, right? He cleared the post easily. It just wasn't accurate at all. Now, I defended him there again, saying, you know, it was 67 yards. You know, it's hard to get the perfect accuracy and power on 67 yards, of course, right? But when you can almost make 62 and 67, 54 is considered a gimme at that point. It, it just is. If you can almost hit 62, 67 during warm-ups that very day, you're hitting 57, 56 easily. Like he was warming up, he was hitting 57 with ease, right? I think his farthest in warm-ups that day was like 64, no problem. 54 is a give-me at that point. And he didn't even like, you know, if he maybe just clinked it off the post, or, you know, if he just barely missed it, fine. No, this man shanked. He shanked it. And 54 yards, especially for a man who has quote-unquote one of the best legs in the NFL that's not gonna fly that's not gonna fly at all 54 is a give me we should have won that game 
Joey Sly, you need to lose your job. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about the defense. Um, pretty much the only thing that looked good was a man by the name of Jeremy Chan, a.k.a. the defensive rookie of the year. That, I think this week solidified him being at the very least a front runner for the job or for the award what am i saying for the award um antoine winfield i just don't think is that good i think that you know he's very overrated i just don't really think he's doing as much on the field as people really think i think he's looking good because he's on such a stacked defense you know with names like jason pierre paul shaq barrett you know all those guys levante david he, of course he's going to look good, right? He's thriving in an insanely good defense. Jeremy Chin is on a defense with Brian Burns. Dante Jackson is probably like the third biggest name on that defense. Derek Brown is looking like a bust. Yatur is looking like, you know, a bust. Shaq Thompson is, I mean, Shaq is pretty good, but he's not, you know any kind of a insanely, you know, franchise linebacker or anything. Jeremy Chin is the best player on my defense. And that's as a lot as a rookie. Well, you can argue he's the best. But bottom line is, he's not on a good defense. Antoine Winfield, and I'd even say the same thing for Patrick Queen. I've also seen people say he deserves the award. They're thriving in a good defense, Right? When you're getting stops and three and outs all the freaking time, yeah, of course you're going to look like you're the defensive rookie of the year because your defense is helping you. Jeremy Chin is doing everything. He's doing everything. They talked about it during the Vikings game. They were like, this man is literally a safety linebacker, corner. He does everything. He's having to do everything on the defensive side of the ball. And he just was not getting any recognition for it because he's in Charlotte, North Carolina, a state, that, a team even, that quite frankly, no one cares about, which is sad to say, but no one cares about it. But this man deserves defense rookie of the year. And thank God for those back-to-back touchdowns, because if those didn't happen, I don't think people would understand how good this man really is. He, he just finally started to let people in on how good he is, which is... Thank you, Jesus. But he is the defense rookie of the year. I can see his case for Chase Young still, but I think he's even kind of in the same boat as Patrick Queen and Antoine Winfield. Of He's in a good defense. Of course he's going to be doing really good, right? And you don't really think about that Washington defense as a you know good defense because it, it's, it's the football team. <laughs> it's the football team, right? They're what, what are they now, like four and whatever? I don't know. But they're not a good team. But you know, you look at, you watch their games. Their defense is pretty stacked. They have a pretty good defense. So again, of course, Chase Young is going to do good if he's thriving in a good defense. Okay. Other than that, though, I there was nothing. There's not a single thing that looked good about that defense. There was not a single thing that looked good about that defense. They had one valid receiver in that game, Justin Jefferson. And he got open every single down. Every single down. That man was just wide open. We could not cover him to save our lives. And it was not pretty. It was not pretty at all. Now, 
I would love to bear the question, why were we putting Stanley Tall? I don't, I can't remember what his name is. The rookie that we drafted in like the sixth round. Why was he on hands down, in my mind at least, hands down the best wide receiver, rookie wide receiver from this class? Why? Why was he guarding Justin Jefferson? Why do we not have Corn Elder on him? Why do we not have Justin Burris on him? Why do we not have Rasul Douglas on him? Hell, why do we not have Jeremy Chin on him? No, we put on a scrub who I literally didn't even know who he was until my uh, my little Panthers group chat. Uh, maybe a little group chat of all my friends who are Panthers fans. They had to tell me, they were like, oh yeah, that's whatever the hell is Thomas Oliver. I, I cannot think of his name. I'm going to look this up really quick. This is going to bother me. What is this man's name? Um, okay, while I'm pulling that up, let's go ahead and move on to the offense. The offense looked really good. I think the offense, Teddy, one of my main criticisms of Teddy all season has been that he gets tunnel vision, not necessarily for one route, like you usually hear the word tunnel vision, right? When you hear tunnel vision, you usually think like, oh, it's just he predetermines where he's going to go with the football. No, he predetermines before the game who he's going to throw to, right? I have kind of realized that there have been a lot of games where he just like he just predetermines who he's going to throw like there will just be one game he's like all right i'm throwing to robbie anderson every single time we throw the ball this this play this game every single time that is who i'm throwing to and it's something that i don't understand stanley thomas oliver the third that was the corner i was talking about who's guarding justin jefferson literally i've never heard of this man in my life i know we drafted him in like six round or something but um Anyways, Teddy finally broke that pattern that I've been criticizing him on all season, which is he just goes into a game thinking, okay, I'm only going to throw to Robbie today. Or, okay, I'm only going to throw to Mike Davis today. Okay, I'm only going to throw to DJ Moore today. He just doesn't scan the field. I don't know what it is. He just he has in his mind that there's only one receiver that is going to be open, and he throws to said receiver. I don't understand it, but he finally broke out of that this weekend, and he really started to spread the ball around. Curtis Samuel had some big touches. DJ had some big touches. Robbie had that 40-yard touchdown. He was finally starting to spread the ball around the way an offense should, and it looked like a legitimate offense. We looked like the offense that I I thought we were going to look like this year. And that is an offense that you can argue is top 15 in the NFL. An offense that has one of the best passing attacks in the NFL. And an offense that is just overall going to be terrifying for secondaries. If you have two of the fastest men in the NFL, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, both of them are some of the fastest, just baseline straight speed people in the NFL we weren't utilizing it at all we were not utilizing it at all but he finally did open his eyes and started to spread the ball around a little bit scan the field thank god for it I think PJ Walker taught him a lesson because PJ Walker did that against the Lions and well we all know how that turned out okay um moving on from that 
Um, let's talk about some coaching. Let's talk about the coaching staff. Fire Phil Snow. <laughs> Just fire Phil Snow. That man needs to leave Charlotte, North Carolina. He is a solid defensive coordinator. And I swear he just turns into a blind six-year-old girl who doesn't know anything about football in the last, like, five minutes of a game. It's been the same all season long. We keep it close. Joe Brady in the offense, we keep it right there with them the entire time. And then Phil Snow comes in and just, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. Now, obviously, it's not all his fault, right? Yes, there is some atrocious play calling going on there. But, you know, obviously the defense needs to step up a little bit. You know, we need to get some linebackers. We need to get... We definitely need to get a better secondary going. But for the most part, that's not your defense coordinator to tell your guys, look, you need to get in your spot and do your job on the field so that way we don't have Justin freaking Jefferson getting open... 20-yard gains and getting out of bounds every single damn play. Phil Snow needs to go. And, you know, I hate to put this on Matt Rule because I am a really big Matt Rule fan. I am a big believer in Matt Rule. But he, when he came in, he pretty much just said, hey, anybody from Baylor want a job? Because it's just, it's almost all, we almost have all college coaches almost all first year NFL coaches now in some ways that worked out Joe Brady he is an offensive genius he is absolutely remarkable we need to pay that man I we need to make sure that that man that leaves Charlotte North Carolina he is an offensive genius I love Joe Brady Phil Snow on the other hand not so much not all college coaches succeed in the NFL you know and that's a pretty apparent thing I could probably argue that there have been more college coaches to come up to the NFL that failed than were successful. In fact, just off the top of my head, I can only think of one college coach off the top of my head that came straight from college to the NFL that was successful. That's a man named Pete Carroll. Debatably, one of the best Hall of Fame coach. Debatably, one of the best of all time. College coaches don't always succeed. It's just such a different game in college. It's such a different game in college. And that's exactly what Phil Snow... Phil Snow thinks he's still coaching college. He run commits on 3rd and 18. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Some of the play calls that that man sent... He sends full-on blitzes on 3rd downs. I'm like, drop back in coverage. Make sure the ball doesn't get thrown to a wide-open Justin Jefferson. Especially while we have some not-so-great corners. Make sure that everybody is in coverage so that there's nowhere to go with the football. Don't put... What was his name again? I already forgot his name again. Um, don't put Stanley Thomas Oliver third man-to-man on Justin Jefferson when the game is on the line. <sighs> he just... He doesn't, he doesn't know what the two-minute drill is. He doesn't understand how to defend against a two-minute drill or a four-minute drill. Just in, He just stops doing his job in the fourth quarter. I don't understand it. It's like all game, 
He looks solid. He, I don't want, I won't say he looks great. I won't say he looks, I won't even say he looks good. He looks solid. You know, he looks competent. Then the fourth quarter comes around and just all goes out the window. And then he gives up a game when he drive. He let Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, let a game-winning drive in a minute. What? One minute. Are you are you serious? Kirk Cousins in a I don't I don't know if Patrick Mahomes could get a one-minute drive going. We made Kirk Cousins look like Pat. No, we made Kirk Cousins look like Tom Brady from like the prime of his career. Like mid late two thousands, that's what Kirk Cousins looked like because this defense, more specifically Phil Snow, it's just so utterly atrocious. On that same note, where do we go from the future? Well, at this point, we're more or less eliminated from playoff contention. We needed to beat the Vikings if we wanted to make the playoffs. It was it, everything set up perfectly. The Patriots beat the Cardinals on some whim of a miracle. It was perfect. All we had to do was beat the Vikings, and we would have been in the spot for we would have been in the hunt for the wild card. But thanks, Phil Snow. So, um, plus, honestly, with the team we have now, I don't think I would want to go to the playoffs. I mean, what 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 is the purpose of going to the playoffs just to get smacked in the first round? I've never understood it. So, at this point, I say get as good a draft pick as you can. I think I believe we're at six right now. Keep climbing. See if we can get in the top five. Now, speaking of the draft, let's talk about that. Where, where, what do we do with the draft? You know, where do we go with that route? I think it's a very dependent thing. Depends on a where we pick and b who's available at our pick. I think that if we get a top five pick and Justin Fields is still on the board, take him. Take him. I am not I'm not a believer in Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think this franchise is a believer in Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think we want him to be the long-term answer. And I don't think he is. Draft Justin Fields. Let him, you know, if you want to let him sit for a year, let him sit for a year behind Teddy. Get him to learn a little bit. Because Justin Fields doesn't look great, right? I, I won't tell you that he's the second-best quarterback in the draft. Well, actually, I will tell you that, but, you know, I won't tell you that he's just this flawless human being, like like Trevor Lawrence is, <laughs> but, you know, he's still, he's still got some interception issues, he still needs to learn how to read the field, all things that Teddy does relatively well, I won't say good, relatively well. Teddy has his interception problems as well, uh, we saw in the Vikings, game could have had a touchdown through a pick um but if he's there why not take him i mean what 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 would be stopping you from taking him right teddy is not the long-term answer for this organization he's not he's just not so take justin fields let him sit for a year hell i mean if we could somehow managed to pull off a miracle trade with the Jets, get the first pick, take Trevor Lawrence, keep him in North Carolina, I'd be here for it. Although, obviously, you know, I think we'd have to give up, at the very least, they would have, we'd have to give up Curtis Samuel, 
DJ and a lot of tra- draft capital in the future. That would be the best possible trade. They would obviously, you know, probably want Christian McCaffrey, but um, so why not take Justin Fields, right? Now, on the alternative, let's say you know we do end up picking six, seven, like we did last year, um, yeah, in that general area. Justin Fields is gone, right? Jets take Lawrence number one. Jaguars take Fields number two. I don't necessarily think that we should go quarterback at that point. I don't think there's any quarterbacks in the draft that I would want at that point. If it did happen that those uh, quarterbacks didn't fall to us, you know, if Trevor didn't fall, if Justin didn't fall, well, Trevor won't fall, but if Justin... Uh, we couldn't get our hands on Justin. This may be a... I don't know how controversial this opinion is. I haven't seen a lot of Panthers fans saying who they want in the draft other than Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. But I would really like Caleb Barley out of Virginia Tech. He's a corner. And he's just a straight lockdown. He is somebody who will lock down receivers. And the reason that I like this move so much is because, our well, A, our secondary is atrocious, right? I mean, Dante, I mean, Dante is good, but he's constantly injured, so he's not really reliable. Jeremy is obviously a god. But then you have Justin Burris, who is playing really well right now, but he's also had his fair share of injury problems. Plus, is Justin Burris really... A guy you can always trust to make plays? Probably not. Troy Pride, even though, as much as it pains me as a Notre Dame fan to bash on this guy, he is just, oh, man. He looks like a fifth grader playing in the NFL. I mean, he just, he's just, he's not great. We'll just leave it at that. He's not great. It pains me too much as a Notre Dame fan to talk so much crap on him. So we'll just leave it. He's not great. Oh, sorry. Grab a drink of water. Um, so why not take Caleb Farley, get get you a corner who can lock up your number one receiver, right? You put Dante at your number two. Now all of a sudden you have two really good corners guarding both. Your, uh, I can't talk. Both receivers. You're looking good now. Now all of a sudden you got time for that pass rush. Brian Burns to get there. You her to get there. Derek Brown, hopefully, if he finishes without a sack this season, oh boy. But, you know, you get you give your guys time to get there because these lockdown corners are locking everything up, right? So, I think Caleb Farley would be the move. Because, realistically, other than that, I don't think, I mean, I don't know where else possibly, I mean, maybe offensive line, um, I don't really quite honestly know a ton of offensive linemen or anybody like that in the uh, in the draft this year but <clears throat> offensive line maybe you could go um, but I think if they didn't go quarterback and I don't think they would go Caleb Farley I don't think they would want to go corner that early in the draft so I think the most likely realistic way that the Panthers would go would be linebacker now again I cannot say that I'm very well versed in the draft this year I like college football I don't like 
love it. I don't know everything about it. But I knew I do know that there are some solid linebackers coming out this year um, that we can maybe try and get. Just off the top of my head, Jeremiah Osu uh, Koromora out of Notre Dame. Just because I'm a Notre Dame fan. Um, but I know he's coming out this year, and that man... I would love to have him on the team. I he is somebody who we could really use, and especially with Shaq kind of coming into his shoes now. He's not. I mean, he'll never leave the shoes. He'll never fill the shoes that Luke left for him. But he's kind of starting to come into his own place now. He's starting to develop into the player that he's going to be, and he is going to be solid. I think. You know, I think he is going to be a pretty solid player. So, you know, you get Shaq to mentor Jeremiah and you could have a you could have a scary linebacker duo there. But um but yeah. So, that's all I got written down to talk about for this first episode of the KPP. Uh I really hope that you enjoyed this. I will be back again next Sunday, actually next Saturday or Friday whenever I get around the record of the next episode talk about the Broncos game um but yeah everybody I hope you have a great day and I hope that everything goes well with whatever it is that you are doing in your life right now have a great day and always remember keep pounding